your source for all things Evan and my name's Thomas joined again by Terry McAllister and Owen Parks today uh, going to be bringing you uh, but first of all I'm uh, going to start off with an extra time from easily our most disappointing performance of the season so far uh, with Southampton then we're going to move on to one of our retro rumours segments so we're going to talk uh, more about managers this week a couple of big names very exciting Neil Lennon's even going to come up at one point uh, but we'll save that for later on the show first up we're going to do our extra time It's our first loss of the season, very disappointing, but we're going to dissect it in a bit more detail today. Joined by Terry McAllister and Owen Parks, and obviously very disappointing result overall, as I mentioned. Bit of a, you know, coming back to earth. I'm not sure anyone thought we would win the league or anything, because there was those accusations on Twitter. People going on, oh, everyone's buzzing that Everton have finally lost. <laughs> everyone's buzzing Everton finally lost, but I think that shows where we're on the table. But Terry, coming to you first, just general reaction of that absolute shambles that it was. Um, well, it's a few days ago now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, everyone's had a mad result so far, haven't they? Maybe this is our one. We'll go back to winning every game now. Um, yeah, it was. We, it's not told us anything we didn't already know. I mean, it, what this game has done has shown just how light we are on depth for quality. We've got plenty of bodies, plenty of numbers. Absolutely no quality and depth in certain areas of the pitch. So, you know, the personnel we've chosen in this game has upset not just, you know, there's obviously been a drop-off man for man, you know, with Richarlison and Coleman going out, but it also has lowered the um, the overall quality of the teams. It's upset the, you know, the formula a little bit. Uh, so the players who are used to, you know, certain, you know, combinations, certain, you know, teammates being around to help them out, they haven't been there and it's lowered their games as well. So, and, and frankly... Southampton played really well. Like they, they clearly done you know their homework on Everton. Clearly knew a way you know to to hurt Everton, and they exploited it. And we didn't really have an answer. I mean, the first twenty minutes, I think they came out and you know they paid us a little bit of respect, and we sort of went back and forth. But I think the key for me, and I don't want to just because no player really acquitted himself very well, but I and I don't want to pick on individual players just yet. But I think when we were playing in the first twenty minutes the penny dropped for them that we didn't have pace to hurt them on the break because every time we give it to a Wobi, who would have been Richarlison typically, instead of, you know, attacking the goal directly like, you know, Richarlison would do, it will be slowed things down and kept bringing it back and looking for, you know, I want more time than he had on the ball. And I think that sort of, you know, just informed Southampton a little bit that Everton can't hurt us on the break. So what we're going to do is we're going to push up and hurt them out wide, especially down our right-hand side, which, you know, we, we'll go over in a minute. They, they certainly did. So our, our team selection didn't didn't um, help us play our best game, and it played right to the hands of, of Southampton, who, as we said in the, you know, the preview show, full of energy, full of pressing, full of pace, 
and a little bit of quality where it mattered. So it just just wasn't our day. Like, too many yeah. players missing and and a couple of other players who weren't the races who were playing. Yeah, it was a, it was a good performance by Southampton. To be fair, they're clearly a very decent side. They know exactly what they're doing, but uh, we didn't exactly help ourselves. Owen, what were your general reactions to that? I, to be honest, I, I think me and Terry were speaking in the preview before the game, and he could probably tell I wasn't feeling too confident by the game because I was saying we haven't we haven't really done well there, and I just I just felt their high press would kill us, and it did. What what their high press did with what what we've haven't. We were having no Richarlison. We didn't have that option to going over the top. So they didn't have to worry about dropping back 10 yards because they knew Calvert-Lewis a great 1v1. Hamez isn't really going to beat a man and a Wobie's not going to do that either. So they could just press on us and win the ball back higher up because we had no way of just hitting them on the break, like Terry said. Defensively, I didn't think... The things that we've been getting right defensively, even when we haven't been keeping clean sheets, we've been getting through moments. And then finding the moments ourselves, we didn't do that. We let two, we conceded two quick fire goals. Should could have been three. It it was just a mess from like the goalie to the striker. It was just, it was just a mess. Um, credit to Southampton. I thought they played very well until they put the foot on the gas once. Um, once Luca Dean got sent off, but like I said, it was just an overall poor performance. I hope that's our poor performance out the way now. I think everyone's had one. Yeah. Um, I'd I'd like to see going forward a little bit more balance to our attack, even with the current injury and problems we have. I'd like to see Gordon play more. And I'd just like to see us getting back to what we were good at a couple of weeks ago, which was catching teams cold on the break, as opposed to just trying to walk the ball in. And I feel like times on... um, Sunday, we were just so slow. We were like a 90s Dutch team. We just couldn't move. Yeah, we, we spoke about Richardson there. Um, about, I mean, you take Richardson out of the team, obviously, a lack of pace. No one's really going to beat a man. Another player that we're obviously missing, Seamus Coleman, to injury. And of course, with John Joe Kenny also injured, Ben Godfrey comes in for his first start. Uh, came off the bench against Liverpool at right back. Did quite well, I thought. Terry, what did you think about him uh, at right back in this game? He was really uncomfortable, wasn't he? And it, he was doubled up on. Simple as that. They'd identified like Hamez is not gonna, you know, track back much. They're gonna pull a defender across, usually to Corey to cover him. So if we push up on um, on Godfrey, this is Southampton. They're um, they're gonna leave spaces in the middle, and I, you know, it's what we did all the time. Like you know, for the drag backs for the goal, there was no one there to cut them out. Um, it's to be honest, the the Henderson goal that never was against Liverpool was the same, wasn't it? You know, there was a drag back and one of the defend one of the midfielders wasn't there to sort of counter it. Um Godfrey's not a right back. He, he you know, he, if he was part of a back three or if he's moved to centre back, um, you know, he'd do all right. But it, there was nothing he could do. He he is he tried to get forward as much as he could, but he couldn't beat a man when he went when he got old of it. It was he was very much a centre back playing at right back. And that sort of hurt Hamez's game as well, where every time Hamez got it, there was no space opened up for him with the overlap and run because Godfrey, because of the pace that um, Southampton had down that side, he didn't want to overcommit himself constantly because he would have just left one side exposed completely. So he, he stayed back a lot. Um, I just think it was it was a square peg in a round hole. I think, you know, we obviously thought we'd get away with it because, you know, he was he's good athlete and a good defender. 
Um, and we went to know before the game that their, a big part of their tactics was going to be to try and exploit that side. So I don't know whether we'll see him in the next game, whether John Joe Kenny will be back. No, I don't really particularly rate John Joe Kenny you know, as a top Premier League player. But I think for the overall balance of the team, it might be better just to have a natural right back in that position. Even if you were to move Godfrey inside and, you know, play him at centre-back alongside one of the other two. Um, but yeah, I, I think that is going to be something we're going to see teams try and exploit if we're going to play him out of position because he was very limited there. Do you want an unpopular opinion? <laughs> Everton get at least a draw yesterday if Jibril Stevie was right back because he would have forced them back. He would have overlapped and he would have pushed them back because they'd have had something to worry about. Godfrey, he couldn't get forward. So DB at his very best got forward and made teams think about what they had to do defensively. Or else he couldn't defend himself. Like, But he, he was pretty decent going forward. Yeah, I think you could play a centre-back at full-back if you had Richarlison ahead of them. Because he, he's got the pace and the direct running to go down the outside. And he comes back and covers you know, enough to, you know, to help out. Whereas Hammers. You know, we're playing a four-three-three, and Hammers is like the front the, a member of the front three who's got the free roll. Like you, you know, usually, you know, Richarlison and Calvert Lewin are, are like moving forward whenever Hammers gets the ball, and he feeds the two of them. He's that's fine. That works for us going forward and attack. But I think if you the right back then needs to have a bit of both. You need to be able to go up the line to call, you know, to pen push the opposition full back back. And be able to go up and down and provide something himself, provide an AMD outside ball for Hammers. It didn't work. It was too blunt. It was too. He's not slow, Godfrey, by any means. He's quick, but he's not quick in the sense of he's going to beat a man, you know, with a stand and start. He's, he's got recovery pace. He's not got blistering pace, you know what I mean? So it was just. the t- I, I, before the game, when I saw the lineup, I was like, not, we could, not much we could have done about it, but I was like, that's slow. They're a really fast team in wide areas and we've got very little pace. They're the only fast player we've got in the whole team. You'd say as fast, fast as Calvert-Lewin and he's an off-the-ball type fast. He's not going to pick the ball up and run with it. So I thought we were in for a difficult afternoon when I saw the lineup. but again, it's, it's things we can't avoid. You know, like Richarlison's a massive miss and it just shows that front three and probably... You know the middle three um, that we've been playing. At least two of them are going to be nailed in for whatever they're fit. They're going to play, and then at end the rest of the team, like the centre backs and the you know the not so much the left back, but the centre backs and uh, the right back. You know it's going to be you know mix and matching for a few games, aren't we? Yeah, and obviously we were kind of forced into those two changes uh, because of injuries, uh, and obviously we were forced into two changes at the weekend, but a change that. <laughs> Ancelotti clearly decided to make was taking out Gomez in that third centre midfield role, giving it to Gilpy Six, and instead, Owen, what did you make of that change? I was all for it, so I'm not going to sit here now and say, no, oh, what a terrible decision that was. I would have done exactly the same. Um, I think I think what 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 hurt us more was like Terry said, pace in wide areas. I think that they they went blistering through the middle, Southampton, but they got in around us through the sides very well. And got the ball in the box, but yeah, I, 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 Gilpie weren't brilliant, but it was a product of everyone not being brilliant rather than just it being Gilpie circuits and having any other midfielder in it. I don't think would have made any difference. Um, I would, I think what I would say is for next week, 
my third midfielder with Allen and Decore would be Fabian Delph. Terry, do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of Delph. Um, but what this game made me think is the way we're set up. Um, you know, I, I hate to do this, but if you look at the way Liverpool set up, their front three, all right, Firmino comes back a little bit, but their front three are all are very high and left to it. Whereas I think I was I was watching when I, what I took away from the game was if Gabamon can stay fit when he's back and obviously providing he, you know, he's, he's all right. We don't know whether he's going to even cut in the Premier League yet because he hasn't even played. But if Gabamon is a decent player and can stay fit, I can imagine Gabamon being the third one of that middle three. So you've got not as much creativity in there, but you've got proper defensive cover and, you know, actual structure. Because I don't think Alan personally suits the number six role in as much as he'd probably be better in the um, sort of a Drissa Gay, sort of pressing role. Like, he, he keeps having to come back. You know, he, how many times have you seen him running backwards when we're, when we're getting counter-attacked? It's, he's not sitting in front of the back four. Um, in this game, he's, he's sort of going to try and press, and I think that's what suits him better. He's The best way I can say it is he, he, he makes me think of an Drissa Gay, not a Schneidlin. And I think that might be what we do. We might sort of move Decore into the Andre Gomez, Gilfie Sigurdsson role, the player who can, you know, get forwards and help the attack. And then have Gabamon and um, and Allen going forward. Now, short term, it might be Delph because, you know, Delph is far more defensive than Andre Gomez and um, Sigurdsson. Because Gomez was terrible against Liverpool, so I'm, I, I was all for, you know, changing them out as well. And Sigurdsson just, I mean, him and Iwobi were just identical. They were practically playing in the same pair of shorts, weren't they? Like, they were just in each other's way all game. They didn't, they were just occupying a lot of the same spaces. And I don't think, I think we've got all these players and all of their best position is the James Rodriguez role where it's sort of like a, a number 10 with a free role. That's what Iwobi really wants to play. That's what you know. Sigurdsson wants to play. That's what Bernard probably wants to play. And none of them are going to play it. They're all, they're all, not very good in like the sort of the Richarlison role or the attacking you know central midfielder role. They all want to be that free number ten role, and none of them are good enough to do it apart from Hammers. So I just think the, I don't think any of them will stay at the club long term. I think next summer all three will probably go because they all got on the pitch. Um, against Southampton, and none of them did a thing to make me think to play them next game. If we get, if we get, if we had Richardson back, none of them would be in the team. Alex Iwobi got a lot of stick yesterday, and rightly so, he was terrible. But there's no one going to mention that what excuse of a cameo for Bernard. Jesus, I think either of us could have gone on the pitch, and we wouldn't have done as bad as he did. Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, the, a major situation we're obviously going to have to talk about we've had problems at right back all of a sudden we've got a bit of a dilemma at left back um, Luka Dean red card Owen what did he make of the challenge What did, did he think it was a red did he think it was a yellow an orange you know whatever you want to call it an orange <laughs> um, it's irrelevant because we could have took our we could have um, took our tops off to celebrate yesterday and we'd have got a red card for it we were getting sent. We were getting the sending off for a dodgy penalty against us, regardless of what happened yesterday. So whether I think it was a red card or not, it's pretty irrelevant because we were always going to get one, and it's not going to get overturned either. So no, it, 
any it, it's literally hard to judge any tackle we put in because any it was always going to be a red card. Anything that was even remotely borderline. So it's just the way it is. It's a bit of a joke, but it's something that we're going to have to put up with now because we're apparently a team of fucks, which isn't said nobody ever, by the way. But <laughs> fine, let's roll with it because I'd rather be known as a little bit snide than one of um, the media's darling play out from the back singing Ali Ali O bloody teams who just get battered 6-0 every week so <laughs> let, let's just take the positives out of it yeah Terry do you, do you agree was it was that kind of inevitable was it a red card yeah I mean as Owen said we were getting a red card for a foul throw yesterday no matter, we were always going to get it we were always going to get a red card but he's made it dead easy for him Dean hasn't he like it, it, I think if he hadn't had that little bite at him before the, the coming together, he might have been all right. Well, in a normal set of circumstances, he would have been all right. Still got one anyway, because, you know, that's the way it is. But he's made it so easy because he's he looks like he, he's tried to take the ball in the first instance and missed. So it looks like he swung at the player and missed. And then he's running after them, chasing them. And he's in full, you know, full stride. And, you know, he doesn't change his run, doesn't change anything. So you can tell he's just ran over his leg. But... It is a red card. Like at the time, I was like, "Is it though?" And then, yeah, like Robertson against us for Allen was a red card, and I think the, there was intense and malice in that one. But the referee doesn't know that, does he? So I think that one was a red card. So I can't sit here and say that the team one wasn't. But listen, like we we've had we've had the um, the standard army of 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 red pundits and you know cult cult member journalists and the whole. The power of, of of the influence of, of that club has, has basically, you know, as it's say this week, hasn't it? Where, you know, we've now Everton have gone overnight since because we injured one of the one of their, you know, star, you know, star names. Now we're all of a sudden a dirty team with, with Wimbledon. We kick everyone off the pitch going and gone. Two weeks ago no one would have said this, but because one player's got injured in a in a freak coming together, you know, that I just wish Pickford had got sent off because we wouldn't have had all this. Now, now it's been cast as all oh, that you know they're a mafia and Everton. They get away with all kinds, and okay. <laughs> it's just not true. I'm not against the idea of being a, a team of harlasses, but we haven't even got a team of harlasses. We just had a really unfortunate injury happen with a stupid tackle from the goalkeeper, and now we're getting recast as you know prime Stoke. It's like, come on, don't, don't worry, sh- don't worry. When when the fans are back in Goodison and we're two 0 up around to Newcastle, I want the Gladys Street singing two 0 to the rugby team too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, we were getting a we were getting a red card for something or a penalty or something or other. But it, Dean's not made it difficult for the ref there. He's the the refs had it handed to him on a plate and he said thanks very much. Yeah, so they have it. Don't want to dwell on that game for for too long, really. So we're going to bring that extra time to a close. Uh, back with another retro rumours segment. We're going to focus on managers more uh, today. Uh, some pretty interesting ones, some pretty out there ones that maybe we're never going to come true, but uh, interesting rumours nonetheless. That Be sure to let us know in the comments down below what you think about all of these. Starting off, um, <laughs> this was a man that was linked quite a few times. Obviously, we've had man- managerial changes on a couple of occasions. Uh, this takes us all the way back to... 2018, so not not all the way back there. It was quite an exaggeration, but the Daily Star reporting uh, that Everton uh, have reportedly earmarked long-serving Arsenal boss Arsene Wenger as a candidate to replace Sam Allardyce as manager. Um, Owen, I'm going to come over to you first. 
<laughs> I mean, what do you make of that rumour in general, really? That was fairly recent. I don't remember it. Um, yeah, well, he would have come in instead of Silver, so that was, that's all an automatic upgrade. I don't know if it would have worked out or not, but he, he's a top-class manager, Arsene Wenger. I think he, I think he would have set us off onto a path to better things than Marcus Silver would have. Um, yeah, it's not one of would have been particularly against. I think there's a few coming up that made me want to scratch my eyeballs out, but that one, that one, that, that was a pretty solid one. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I do worry we'd have become Arsenal. That one just been so so easy to bully. But apart from that, I think he he's got a good eye for talent. Um, definitely plays better a better brand of football than Sam Allardyce did. So yeah, I, I feel like he would. Have, I feel like he would. Have, I he'd have done, he, and he would definitely have got better results than Silver. So. Uh, I'm not going to be too scathing about that one, but yeah. I'll Terry, what did you make of uh, Wenger? I mean, he was linked on a couple of occasions, really, but what did he make of this one, especially just after Allardyce? Because I'm just reading the article here at the moment as well. Uh, this was straight after the, the 2-1 defeat to Burnley, uh, if you remember that game, when they hadn't come back from a losing position and beaten a side in like 60 games or something, and then Everton roll up to Turf Moor, we end up losing. Uh, but this yeah, was at the time, actually... Yeah, and then Wenger was actually, he was still at Arsenal at the time, I think. Uh, they just lost 2-1 to Brighton. Uh, so it feels like a long time since Wenger was there. Obviously, everyone's had a couple of managerial changes. But Terry, what did you make of potentially Arsene Wenger being the evident manager? I remember this rumour, which is like shocking for me, because every single retro rumour we do, I don't remember them. I have to be reminded. <laughs> but this is what I actually do remember, because I remember a mate of mine, a Liverpool fan, saying to me, would you, would you have Wenger? This might have been a bit later than that. I think it might have been that summer. And I remember thinking very clearly, no, because I want a young, energetic manager who can take us, you know, into the next five years rather than one who's on his way down. So I apologise to the Toffee Blues for admitting to this because no one's ever going to watch a video with me and ever again when I admit now that I would prefer at that time Marco Silva over Arsene Wenger. It just shows how wrong you can be because that is a shock and take. <laughs> like if I if I watch the video now with someone who said that. I'd so sorry for the views going down now. <laughs> one by one. Uh, now it just seems absolutely daft to suggest it. Like obviously he his stock was low, wasn't it? Because he was at the uh, tail end of his Arsenal career, and you know it was right at the height of you know Arsenal fan TV and all that. And like it was, it become a meme, hadn't it? When get out. So I I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking more a case of I don't want to be associated with all that because we'll just get like what's our, what's Wenger doing now? How is he doing now? I thought I want someone who's fresh in, who can just make his own way, and I just <sighs> Wenger would have been. He's a great manager. He's a top top manager. He's not as good as he used to be, but you know Carlo Ancelotti is not as good as he used to be. You know, like he used to win win Champions Leagues every year and stuff, but doesn't mean he's not good enough for us. So <laughs> Wenger. He would have bought probably better players than we've bought um, since Silver came in. I know that's a joint thing with with um, with Marcel Brands, and I don't even know whether Alan, um, whether excuse me uh, Wenger would have worked with with Brands because he's never had a director of football, so that would have been an interesting one. But Wenger, if he goes back into management, if we need a manager in the near future, which I hope we don't, but if we ever do, I would be very up for Wenger because I think Wenger's one of the the great footballing minds, isn't he? Yeah, at the time I remember thinking 
it was just never going to happen, really, because I think everyone could tell as soon as he left Arsenal he was going to take time out. Um, but I was I was never directly opposed to it, to be fair. I get what you meant at the time, Terry, with kind of that older manager, but I'm not sure. I, I, I mean, again, I was also a, a, I was a fan of Marco Silva. I mean, whenever that was two years ago now, obviously, we all know hindsight is twenty twenty. As, as people say, I think that was a big mistake. Anyone ever being a fan of Silva? I would have and, as much as a fan of Marco Silva as I am Graham Potter. Love him. And if... Uh, and if any of the YouTube viewers don't know, uh, Owen's not a tremendous fan uh, of Graham Potter. But yeah, I mean, at the time, I remember thinking Wenger wouldn't be the end of the world. But it wasn't really a, a name that was going to, you know, going to be that exciting. But a name that definitely because of course, absolute chaos if he joins in 2016. Moving on to Ryan Giggs. Uh, this comes from The Guardian. Quite a remarkable article. Um, where It also name drops Manuel Pellegrini, Frank Dubois. Um, and eventually Ronald Koeman, uh, saying that Ronald Koeman was uh, not interested in talking about the Everton job. Ever. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't think he's had a worse shortlist than that. At the time, Koeman wasn't interested in the Everton job because he was about to sign a contract contract extension at Southampton. Uh, so we would turn to Ryan Giggs, apparently, instead. Uh, Terry, will come to you that. first on this one. Do you, uh, do you ever fancy Ryan Giggs as the Everton manager? No. <laughs> 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 Why would I? It's like I'm, that's one thing I'm really glad we've never done. We've, we have, we've made poor managerial choices, like obviously we have, but we haven't. We have they made sense at the time. A lot of them, like Marco Silva, actually didn't because he'd been binned off by Watford, and I was never like super pro Marco Silva. I was one of them Paulo Fonseca people. That was where my uh, flag yeah. was. But um. <laughs> But I was, you know, obviously we talk about the Wenger one. I was more pro Marco Silva than him because I just thought it would have been a good fit. Whereas now we know that the older manager with experience fits us a lot better. Um, Gigs, that sorry, my wider point there was I'm glad with all of our poor managerial appointments, we've not been sucked into this absolute nonsense of signing, appointing, excuse me, managers based on their playing days and their name. Like, you know, some of the biggest clubs in the world have done it, like Lampard at Chelsea for no, like he's shite. He do, he's, doesn't deserve to be there. He's and um, Solskjaer at Man United. The longer he's there, the better because they'll only ever get to a certain point at best, and they'll net you know that's they won't be able to leave anyone else behind while he's the manager. You know who, who else? Thierry Henry, Monaco. It's like Michael of a worse record than Unai Emery, by the way. Not yeah, it's like how many more of these novice managers with an half decent, you know, name from their playing days are we going to have to see absolutely fail before Chris Brunner at West Brom in a few years, maybe uh, after he's retired? Yeah, and, and plus it wasn't even like we wouldn't even be going for one of our legendary players who we love. It'd be like, <laughs> like yeah, this this basically he'd have been in the in the sort of training lobby to see if he's good enough to take over at Man United. See how he does at Everton, because that's the way that the media think, basically. Same with players and apparently with managers as well. If he can cut it at Everton, then he could, you know, we'll give him a go at Man United. But if he bombs at Everton, then it wasn't good enough for Man United. Glad we'd never gone there with that. Like, And I'm glad we had more sense, because the whole media were absolutely clamouring for Duncan Ferguson to take over. And Duncan Ferguson himself was saying, no, not for me. I want the top manager to get, the best manager we can get to get this job. And I was made up when he said that stuff. I'm glad we're not going in for this nonsense because the media love all that. It gets column inches, and that's all it's for. Yeah. Owen, did you uh, just just a random question here? Did you do you ever fancy Ryan Giggs? I I can't really tell what you're going to say here. Do you know, I was really looking forward to. It. I was getting me gigs in banners. No, I wasn't. I was <laughs> not looking forward to that. Um, yeah, Ryan Giggs. Um, 
if we'd appointed Ryan Giggs, we'd be playing Burton Albion next week. That's how that's how much of a bad appointment that would have been. Um, he was on the list there with Manuel Pellegrini. He's been 70 for the last 10 years. Ronald Koeman, who obviously we know is not interested in heaven. <laughs> um, who else is on that list? Pellegrini and De Boer, who's won about four games in 15 years. So we were on the right course there. <laughs> when when Ronald Koeman's sure. the best shout, Ronald, when Ronald the best shout on a shortlist makes you want to know what is that shortlist comprising of? That's absolutely <laughs> terrible. Oh, it got I really believe the gigs rumours. It was when before Sam Allardyce was appointed, we were, he was on one with Martin O'Neill and Malky Mackay, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we'll move on from this one because I don't think we can talk about Ryan Giggs. But in the same article, um, it's not evident, but I think it's interesting to mention at the time, apparently, Alan Pardew was at Crystal Palace and he was looking to link back up with Deborah Barr, David Santon and Czech Teode uh, at Crystal Palace. So some remarkable links there. And then the final manager link, I'm going to come straight to Owen here because he's mentioned it before we start the podcast. I'm sure he's got plenty to say. Um, 2013, I believe this was. This is just after David Moyes left for Manchester United. Uh, this comes out in uh, the Express, actually. Celtic manager Neil Lennon in the frame for the Everton job. Owen, what do you think about that one? I mean, that was, that job was a suited Neil Lennon because he, he's got the look that he's been living out of a bin bag for the past 15 years. So he could have just took it up to good, doesn't and wouldn't, wouldn't not need to have done anything with the um, he's another one. I'm, I said to you before the game started, before the podcast started, sorry, um, that I'm I'm pretty sure Neil Lennon's never actually won a game of football, he's just got this sort of like legendary vibe around the game, and he's and he's just rolled with her ever since. He's just he's just an absolute nonsense manager. I don't know even now he's currently got the Celtic manager. I think Rogers left, he looked around and thought. You may as well do it. Did you just call him a nonsense manager or a nonce of a manager? <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> Something I do want to mention from this article. Uh, just, I'm just going to quote a bit. Having worked wonders in Scotland and in the Champions League on a limited budget, uh, Lennon is the prime candidate and he has admirers on the club's Goodison, uh, Goodison Club's board. Um, it would take a... It would take a big job to convince them to leave Parkhead, but Everton is likely to appeal, especially as they have the ability to break into the English Premier League's top four. Uh, Terry, what do you think about uh, the Neil Lennon rumours? Mate, I would prefer Sam Allardyce to Neil Lennon, and I would prefer to have Moyes back than Neil Lennon. Like I've, I, That's probably one of the worst links. Like it, You'd have to... Give me some absolutely honking other options if I'm going to pick him. <laughs> like, like I, I hated Allardyce, absolutely hated him. And I'd have him in a heartbeat over Neil Lennon, 10 times the manager. I honestly, I think I'd dispute the football if we'd have got Neil Lennon. Absolutely. The only thing he would have been any good for is winding up Liverpool supporters if we'd have got a point against them because let's be honest he's not going to beat them is he but um, <laughs> but <laughs> if he, he, he loves to give it out to opposition fans so I think that would have been the only enjoyable two seconds of being an, an uh, Everton fan under Neil Lennon because frankly he's absolutely terrible <laughs> What is it with these managers shortlist? We have one manager that's seemingly like oh, well, we can take him and we'd usually appoint him. And then we have three who just wouldn't get the bloody Burton Albion job. It's just, it's just absolutely <laughs> nonsense. When we um, 
when we when we sacked Kerman, one of the shortlist was Sam Allardyce, Marco Silva. Me, no, it wasn't Fonseca. It was might have been Eddie Howe. So Allardyce, um, Silva, Howe, and Diego Simeone. It was Sean, it was Sean Dyche. That was it. Yes, but Simeone was on like a shortlist. Atletico Madrid's, you know manager and you know in the Champions League and in the top three of the lot of La Liga every year and he was on it with with Allardyce who was out of work sitting on being sports and what <laughs> 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 well, um... well, made me really laugh about that period though was every time we got beat Rick Keys and Gray used to go now Evan have been beat again Sam what would you do different as if you had like the answers to the air for what to do with Evan <laughs> We've heard some, uh, heard some terrible rumours in the video. We're going to round off here. We're going to move away from managers. Um, this comes from the reliable source, football.co.uk. Uh, back in 2012, uh, apparently David Moyes held a meeting with Peter Crouch. Uh, apparently he was available for a, a very cheap £8 million, so it would have been great value for money to provide competition for Nikita Yelovich and Stephen Naismith. Uh, Terry, did you have a fancy Crouch at Goodison Park? No, <laughs> We um he's actually he's he he was better than than people give him credit for Crouch, but when where were we would where was he at that time? Who would we have been buying him off? I'd imagine I'm I'm convinced he was a stoke for about fifteen years. I'll, I'll give it a quick Google if you if you want to talk about him in the meantime. He was only ever at Stoke. He was always at Stoke. <laughs> no, I mean it's not because he's a bad player, but if we'd have got him, we wouldn't have got Lukaku. He, he he would have done a job, but I, I no, he's not an Evan player, him is he? he? Wasn't a Liverpool player either. He just sort of looked into one or two seasons where he, you know, he, he Liverpool were in a bit of a transition, so they made some use of him. But um, <laughs> he he was his first, he was in his first season in the Stoke uh, after he just joined from Tottenham. Yeah, he, he no, he was not never an Everton player, him. He just what didn't fit. Would you imagine him? Like no one would have, no one would have taken to him. <laughs> uh, Owen, At least he uh, wouldn't have been a Crouch. holding midfielder up front. <laughs> did you uh, did you ever fancy him at Goodison then, uh, To be, if you'd have asked me that in 2012, I'd have probably said yeah because I was just sick of our assignment being free six months transfers that we used to make in January to see us over for the rest of the season. So I'd have probably have taken him took him at the time. Now, yeah, I mean, would he have added anything more to us than what we had there? I'd probably not. He, did, he also wouldn't have run the channels, which I'm always like on the strikers. So um, I don't think I couldn't have seen that one working out, Peter Crouch. He would have probably got um, some goals. but no, I, I, um, I refuse to believe that Peter Crouch in his career played for 13 clubs. There's no, no he, way he his career. He was always at Stoke. I'm, I'm not really sure how that's happened, apart from his <laughs> little stint at Burnley on the end of his career, which was just absolutely perfect. I um, remember he was there. Yes, I remember the first time I saw him, and it was um, it was he played for Aston Villa at the time. I was only young. I was at I was at the match, and he came off the bench. So I don't know how old he was. He you know he but early part of his career. And one of the fellas behind me, he was dead quiet. Like, oh, this is like coming on number thirty nine, Peter Crouch. And someone behind me said, "Is he not very good at basketball or something?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was, um, I think he was about 21, 22 at the time when he was at Aston Villa, so yeah. the start no, of a, he was a Stoke, remarkable career. He's only ever been a Stoke apart from that six months <laughs> of Burnley. <Yeah. laughs> 
So, um, so there you have it for the Retro Rumours video. That's all we've got for you today. Sunday's game against Newcastle United, uh, now for Newcastle. A decent transfer window, I'm sure we're going to get into that uh, in just a moment. Decent transfer window, then when the season starts, two wins, two draws, two losses, fairly indifferent start of the season, really. Um, someone could describe, you could describe it as a very, very Steve Bruce start to the season, really. Uh, I was talking to a Newcastle fan, which you have to see on the opposition view, uh, if you want to see his thoughts about uh, Steve Bruce. We're not going to go into, of course, we're going to preview evidence side of it. So, Start off with uh, Owen. Owen, what are your general thoughts going into the game? Are you feeling confident? Are you feeling that we need to bounce back from last week? Yeah, um, this is the perfect um, game to win, in my opinion, because I, I think I think that the sort of theme I've I've sort of got from what teams we can and can't play against really in the last six months is teams that press really high up the pitch and sort of win the ball back in our own half. Newcastle aren't going to do that. For anyone who doesn't follow me on Twitter, I shared a picture of like a, a direct, like a like a penalty, like something in the penalty box. I forgot what it's called now, but that. And then there's loads of people on the line, and it basically said that Steve Bruce's tactics for the season is I'll just put everyone on the goal line and put safe maximum on the halfway line, which worked for him to be fair because he's done a good job in Newcastle. Steve Bruce, no matter what the Geordies tell you, he's done really well, but it's still ultra defensive and. I think that's going to play into our hands, unfortunately, because we've got so we've got a decent amount of creativity, and they're just going to sit really deep for us to allow us to sort of break them down. But it's a must-win game for me. I think Southampton last week I said these will work us so hard, so I'll take a point. No, I think we should be probably taking taking these on and beating them comfortably. Yeah, Terry, do you agree with that? Is this the, is this the match to bounce back with? Yeah, I completely agree. It's the ideal team in a lot of ways to to play against with the with the players we've got missing, I suppose, because then other than St. Maxim, they haven't really got dangerous pace down the wings. And there's not to the same way that Southampton have where they just absolutely ran us ragged of foot, you know, out wide and the movements off the ball. They won't do that at all. Like I, I last I saw Newcastle, it was against them. Um, which is against Man United, and what Man United, what Newcastle's game plan really is to sit in deep, frustrate, and wait for their chances. And it nearly worked; nearly got a point. It was only like the 86th minute that Man United took the lead, and obviously by the end of the game, it was like four-one. They had a late, you know, once the once the um, the levy broke, then that was it. Then you know the the floodgates would open. But. Yeah, it's it's the type of game where, I mean, I hope we don't, but if we do start, it will be again. I think he'll have a much better time of it than he did against a team like Southampton, who had pace and like intensity and, like you know, as Owen said, really good pressing in the in key areas of the pitch. Newcastle are not Southampton. It's not going to be as uncomfortable for us in style clash as it was against them. So it is the type of game, if you're going to have an away game, a team like that will probably suit us more. So it'll say a lot about, you know, the mentality of some of the players as well. Like, if, you, if can you bounce back and prevent, you know, we've had, we haven't won the last two games. 
if we win this game, then we've bounced back. If we don't win this game, then we're going into the Man United game. We haven't won in three games. So it just it'll show what type of, you know, sort of level of stat what standards the players are going to have, how they approach this game. You want to see a massive reaction from not just the players who didn't play well, um, you know, who came into the team, but you know the players who didn't play well who were always in the team. You know, I didn't see think we saw good games from the centre backs when Michael Keane especially has been great so far. I didn't think Alan had a very good game. Um, and James Rodriguez uh, suffered as well. So I'd like to see all of those players, you know, get back to the level we've been seeing them at. I know, yeah. I know, a, I know a joke that, and just the last thing on Newcastle, I know a joke, I do call them Steve Bruce's XG hating mags, but they will come with a game plan. And as much as there isn't the high intensity pressing, let the, the Let's not say they've been lucky because he, he comes with a game plan. He'll sit in a low block, and I think it, it's a game for our creative players to come to the fore, to be honest, to break them down. Yeah, we are recording this ahead of Carlo Ancelotti's press conference, so we don't know about injuries yet. But one thing we definitely do know is the entire left hand side is currently suspended. I uh, would imagine Nkunku is going to come in uh, for uh, Luka Dean, and then obviously will be played against Southampton. Um, Terry, are you happy with that? Would you change maybe a Wobie out for Bernard, even though he played very poorly against Southampton? And are you comfortable with Nkunku getting his uh, uh, getting his start in the league? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with Nkunku to come in for Dean. I think um, you know, I think Delph will probably could come into midfield, but um, I wouldn't like to see him at left back. I think that's uh, it's too extreme for you know playing against Newcastle. That beats more okay, you know, for playing someone you know really good, and you don't want to you know throw a kid into that sort of pressure cooker. Uh, I wouldn't play Bernard or Iwobi personally because both of them had a half each against Southampton and both of them stunk the place out. Like um, I, I would play Gordon and I know that's a bit of a risk with Gordon and Nkunku down that side but it, it is, I'm, I'm going to get you know slaughtered if we don't win this game but it is the team to do that against Newcastle because they're not going to be, um, they're going to get time on the ball, they're going to get an opportunity to do what they do best in Kunku and Gordon against a team like Newcastle who would be happy for us to have the ball and to frustrate us. A team that would really, you know, put us on the back foot with their pressing game, I'd be a little bit, you know, nervous about it. But we could see the two of them out down the left and then uh, Fabian Delph comes in on the left of the midfield three to give them a little bit of experience, like cover on that side, the same way that Takore does for the, for the right back on the other side. Who knows? Yeah, Owen, do you agree with that? You know what's going to happen now? We're going to say that Steve Bruce is going to come out in the cap of track. He's going to start gagging, pressing all over the pitch. Now we've said this. I don't <laughs> expect it to happen, however. But um, yeah, I'll play in Kunku and um, Gordon. I would, I, I would play at any of us in this call over Bernard. And as for Owobi, is is best position centrally. So I don't think we should be playing him there even. We saw Walcott to Southampton, so it would be. Hammers and Gordon left back and Conco, and I agree. I'd put Delph in for Sigurdsson. Yeah, and then when it comes to right back, I mean, we don't we don't really know yet if uh, Kenny or Coleman are back. I'm, I'm not sure if they are. Um, Terry, what do you make of Ben Godfrey starting again? He, he probably have a slightly easier time than he did against Southampton. Yeah, he 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 was unfortunate against Southampton because they they absolutely targeted them and didn't target him in the sense of. You know, oh, he's crap, let's all just put it down that side. But they, they knew that he was going to be a little bit more exposed and he wasn't going to go forward um, as much because he didn't want to overcommit. Now, that hurt James Rodriguez's game because it denied him that sort of space that opens up when the fullback goes on the outside of him. He might not ever use the fullback, but once the fullback goes, 
the player who's marking him has to back off him a little bit and he has that opportunity to switch to play. I think it will be Godfrey. I, I think I get the feeling that Carlo Ancelotti is like looking at this core of players and there's some players, there's like there's like a, a tier of players who he trusts and they're his guys going forward and he's gonna build around them. And then there's some who are just placeholders who he's just using for now because he can't, you know, bring in fifty players in the one summer. He's got to use Sigurdsson at times, he's got to use a he's got to use Kenny. I don't think he'll be using them if he can get a if he can avoid it basically for for a lot of them. So I think it will be Godfrey because he's his player and I don't think Kenny is likely to have much of a future long term at the club. So I think it will be Godfrey, yeah. He won't have it as tough a time because he won't have, you know, Redmond and Bertrand pushed up against them this time. Yeah, and obviously we do have the slight advantage in that John Pickford's not going to be sat getting wound up for another 90 minutes as he always tends to because obviously no fans will be there so we do slightly have that going for us but in terms of things you're worried about Owen who, who are you looking at the Newcastle team and uh, you are worried about I mean, we've spoken about St Maximin uh, would you agree he's maybe Newcastle's main danger man? Yeah but I'm also worried that Callum Wilson will get his obligatory goal against Evan I don't think that's talked about enough every year he got one from a set piece for Bournemouth against us um, it's that Wilson St Maximin um combination that would worry me the most but if I'm, if I'm going to pick out one thing that worries me the most about Newcastle it's their low block I, I, I just think that they defy the odds sometimes and how they manage to go through games have 40 shots on the goal and draw 1-1 that concerns me slightly because if there's a team who's going to miss loads of chances and just defy the odds of just missing chances against Newcastle it's going to be Everton we somehow drew 2-2 with them Last um, February or March, well, it wouldn't be March or February. I think it was March. No, it was February, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was some point then, and he somehow defied expectations. Didn't have a shot on target until they scored. <laughs> he didn't have a kick. Him. He didn't kick the ball till they scored their two goals in the 90th. <laughs> you the striker was that bad. They were throwing the centre halves. They had seven centre halves on the pitch at one point, and he still managed to get a point. That's why I called them Steve Bruce's XGA and Max, because there's no way. They do what they do and get away with it. Uh, if it were Newcastle, because I don't actually like the fans very much, but if it were if it weren't actually Newcastle thinking they were their, a big club and that, I'd actually love what they do because it's just absolutely ridiculous. Fabian Shard and the cells were up front in the last ten minutes and they got a draw. I want to honestly it's mad, but yeah, that's what worries me the most. Cardalo turning into some prime goalkeeper when he's not really that good. That worries me. Yeah, I've talked in this in this preview as if like I think Newcastle are absolutely horrendous and I don't. I just think their style of play will suit our team better than the Southampton one did, like Owen said at the start. But they've got good players. Like I like a, the business they've done this summer, I thought was very good, like Jamal Lewis right, and yeah. Alan Wilson and Obviously, everyone knows St. Maxim, you know, he's he's fantastic player, you know, on his day can hurt anyone. Um, uh, Callum Wilson worries me the most, though. He, he has just got the he's got the knack, hasn't he, of, of scoring against Everton. He's always, you know, he... Is... Hey, we're 2-0 down. We're 2-0 <laughs> down. Callum Wilson and Jeff Hendricks obligatory goals against us, so we have to win 3-0. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah, Callum Wilson worries me the most, but obviously there's, there's other players like like um, like St. Maximin and you know after saying all this it'll be some crap like John Joe Shelby just it's yeah, an absolute, 
Yeah, I, it just they want them playing you. You're sleeping on the most. There'll be someone like him who scores, and we'll lose one nil to a sporty goal. But um, yeah, I mean, they've got a, they've got decent players. It's just I think their style will suit our players to play against. But say um, Callum Wilson is probably the one I worry about the most. Yeah, so uh, just to round off here, Owen, any, any predictions? What, how do you think the game will play out? Um, positively, I'm thinking 2-0, an early goal. The game fizzles out of it. We have loads of chances and take one at the end. Realistically, 1-1, we have 40 shots and we can see the known goal in the last minute and Steve Bruce is on the pitch. <laughs> uh, Terry, do you, do you have any predictions going at the game? <laughs> I'm, I've got a feeling in my waters I'm going to go for a 3-2 to Everton. Um, we'll concede our obligatory two goals, but I think we'll, um, I think we'll get a couple of goals. We'll get you know a few goals against them. James Rodriguez, possibly. Yeah, so they have it both the lads predicting wins. I'll go for a, a 2-0 Everton win. Um, if, if there's a game that you want to bounce back from a disappointing performance, it's, it's probably against a side that have been a bit indifferent so far this season, but... I mean, they are always dangerous, uh, as we know, because they just come up with absolutely nothing from nowhere, basically. Uh, so thank you all very much for watching. Thanks to Terry and Owen for joining me. Uh, check out their social media. Um, check out all the Top Blues social media and join us next time on the Top Blues. for the video segments but since my, uh, my my quiz master titles have been taken away from me today uh, I'm going to kindly hand over to Terry here um, I don't know what underhand tactics he's going to employ to try and get me not to win uh, so I'll have to see what he happens here he doesn't have to do much with me being on of Jesus Christ I, I just <laughs> get the first hurdle so over to you Terry take it away for the quiz thanks very much Thomas um to do my best Jerry Gibson impression now. Um, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Toffee Blues Quiz, where Owen and Thomas will face each other in an epic cage match of wits and might. <laughs> it is another starting 11 quiz. So I've got an actual coin here, five pence coin. So since... Uh, Thomas is a cheeky bastard and said that I'm going to play tactics to not let him win. I'm going to take. I'm going to. I'm going to prove him completely correct and let Owen pick. Heads <laughs> or tails, Owen, please. I don't know where that coin ended up there. I, like it. I caught it. I caught it. Heads. It is heads. Would you like to go first or second? I'll go second. Fantastic. Right. Please cue the intense quiz music. There it is. It's very intense. <laughs> so, the matching question today is the game of the 12th of March 2015. Everton's Europa League tie at home to Dynamo Kiev. So, the game before the infamous Yarmolenko game, not the I'm away I'm pretty game. sure every time I do this, it's Everton v Dynamo Kiev. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, yeah. 
John's actually sent me a different um, different match. I've just picked this one because I know you know it. But I don't <laughs> want Thomas to win. But um, <laughs> right, so we've got eleven starters, two subs who played the game, and we're going to go with Thomas first. So could we have your first guess, please, Thomas? Uh, Tim Howard in goal. Tim Howard did indeed play. Started in goal. Owen. Ramalu Lukaku. Of course, this season Ramalu Lukaku played. He started up front. First season we had him as a permanent player, I believe. Um, she was Coleman. He was Coleman. Did start at right back. Very good. Owen. Yo. Every time I say this person, he always loses me the quiz, but I'm going for him anyway, Leighton Baines. <laughs> Leighton Baines has once again cost you. Oh, we ain't <laughs> play a game last season. Leighton Baines did not start this game. Jesus Christ. And was not on the bench. He must have been uh, injured. Injured for the every, every game that happens and this uh, Leighton Baines is injured. <laughs> so um, Thomas is the winner but we'll carry your name and the rest of the team I don't know why I'm doing this sort of gentle ASMR type voice because I'm the quiz master. <laughs> it just feels natural but um, yeah so go on Thomas we're going to carry on um, oh well obviously it's the infamous game after but did Algaraz play in the first leg he did indeed Balderdash yeah. chance was he did start <laughs> Balderdash chance <laughs> He <laughs> <laughs> doesn't even start the game, Ansel and Alcaraz, Owen. Um, Gareth Barry. Kaz Baz did indeed start the game. Thomas? Um, oh, we had Stephen Naismith, didn't he score? Stephen Naismith did play. Uh, doesn't actually say on my. Oh, it does, he did score. Oh, 30, 39th minute he scored. Do you know what we're really not mentioning that we went 2-1 up in this game in the first leg and Martin is still bloody bottled in the second leg, the bloody idiot. Yeah, because he played Alcaraz rather than um, make up with Distan, basically. Yeah, the way you may put that in the soft voice. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. It just sort of clicks in when I'm, when I'm posting anything. I have to soften my voice and make it more... Uh... I don't know, less scouse somehow. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> to me. So, uh, whose turn is it? Uh, Owens, I think. Owens, yeah, I think it is. Oh, yeah. Um, James McCarthy. James McCarthy. Yes, sorry. There's a problem with the sheet. James McCarthy did indeed start the game alongside Gareth Barry. Um, we, have, we had Garbutt in Spain. didn't play. We had him. Garbutt did play, whoever that is. I don't remember him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Luke, Luke Garbutt played at, uh, at left back instead of Baines. We gave him his 10-year contract after that. His <laughs> <laughs> Alan Pardew eight-year eight years contract. Um, um. Did Christine Atu start this one or was it the second leg he started? I remember him starting one of the games and not being keen. Christine Atu did not start nor did he come off the bench but he was in fact on the bench. He, he played the second leg then. He, he also played him over Aaron Lennon in the second leg I'm pretty sure. 
Um, we had a Runa Kone, yes. Uh, Runa Kone came off the bench in this game. He did not start, but he did come off the bench. This was the 14-15 season, wasn't it? Yes. One of the, I was talking to you about them football conspiracies before, and another conspiracy was the 14-15 season did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> this certainly happened. Um, we somehow got quite deep in the um, Europa League with a team that had Aruna Kone and Christian Atsu playing for it, and Alcaraz and Luke Garbutt. Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley did play. It was substituted. Um, I've run out of names. Yeah, how many have we got left? I don't actually know how many we've done now. Um, got two, had, star- two starters left and one off the bench. We had Jagielka yet. We have not, and he did. He did indeed play. There's a lot of chase in that centre back partnership between Alcaraz and Jackie Alka. Yeah. <laughs> with there's your back five. You've got McCarthy and Barry ahead of them. Got Lukaku up front. Uh, it'll be another winger then. Um, Aaron Lennon. Nope. Aaron Lennon wasn't even on the bench. Yeah, he'd have been cup tied because Spurs were in the Europa League. Um, yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs> oh, winger. We had, um, well, if it's not Atsu, it's not Lennon. Uh, did Leon Osmond play? Leon Osmond did play, but he came off the bench to replace Ross Barkley, so we've got one starter left. I can't even. Who, where, where does he play? <laughs> it's one of the wingers. We've had Nate. Nope, it's not Aidan McGeezy. We've had some shambolic wingers. That's what I've learned from this quiz. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah, awful. In, in the squad at this time, there was this unnamed player. There was also um, Atsu, Lennon, McGeezy. Wow. Wow, okay. Um, winger. I presume they're not still at the club. Obviously, there's no one uh, could be. Oh. Morales. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. It was Kevin Morales. The man that was sent off, what, 25 minutes into his debut and wherever he's playing these days? Yeah. People, who, will, people who will listen to this have been shouting Kevin Morales for about 15 minutes now. <laughs> Absolute loose cannon. He's, at least he got a lovely, um, you know, edible welcome present, whatever that thing was. Looked like loads of sausage rolls, but I'm sure it was something else. Oh, was, he, was, was that on deadline day when that, that came out? I can't actually remember yeah. now. Yeah. I was about to go to Magai Gay before Kevin Morales to be honest. Magai Gay, that's that's the legacy that um that he left at the club. But the the unused substitutes were Joe Robles, uh, Owen's favourite goalkeeper, Darren Gibson, now. <laughs> Darren Gibson, Mohamed Bezic, and Tyus Browning and Christian Atsu. Tyus Browning, Jesus Christ, he's playing for like a fourth division Chinese team now, isn't he? Chinese international, how dare you? <laughs> he must be better than I thought. Are we not going to touch on the fact that he's not Chinese? <laughs> <laughs> can also talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with that picture, that he's not good enough. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's that's. I apologise for that. Apparently he does have Chinese um, ancestry, so he must, well, he must do because he's playing for China. But <laughs> just, does, does, does Elite Thai? Or do you think but, he went yeah. to... Or do you think he went to uni as um, a year abroad in China and he just claimed Chinese heritage ever since? 
Possibly. But when you see Tyus Brown, you don't immediately think Chinese, do you? Let's be honest. Well, he must have. Was Tyus Brown must have still been about 26 when Lee Ty was playing for Everton, to be fair. Feels like Tyus Brown's ancient these days. <laughs> yeah, I can't think how long he's been around for, but uh, that, that is the end of the quiz. Um, it is the end of the quiz. So, Thomas, rather than close the quiz out, you can pick the song that I will close the quiz out to. Um, I'm very excited. Uh, I don't really, I don't normally get to pick uh, one of these. I'm going to go for Borderline by Tame and Parlor. Uh, not for any particular reason. Uh, there's not much of a theme to it, but it's just the most overplayed song at the moment. So it's the, the, the first song that's kind of stuck in my head. But um, yeah, Terry, I'll, 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 let, I'll let you close it out. Terry. I can just, I can sit back yeah. to the end of the podcast. It doesn't normally happen. So, Borderline by Tame and Parlour. Um, thanks very much, guys, for joining us. Um, and if you enjoyed this podcast, please follow everyone's social medias, mine, Owen's, Thomas's, and of course, the Toffee Blues. And please remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh, take care of yourselves. I'm sure we'll be back to winning ways next weekend. Bye.